for hanging out with us today on the Ascent Church Podcast. We're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Thomas Lane. We hope this encourages you and meets you exactly where you are. Whatever battle you are fighting, know that you are not alone and we're all in this together. Here's today's message. All right, y'all, let's begin. We're going to go to Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Follow with me. The beginning of the good news, the beginning, the start, the kickoff of the good news. That word is gospel. Somebody say gospel. The beginning, the start, the kickoff of the good news or the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, that's a word we use a lot, gospel. And it feels kind of like a churchy word, like a religious word, but it actually wasn't in those days. I'll tell you what a gospel is. It's an announcement that brings lasting change. The gospel or a gospel is an announcement that brings lasting change. If you turn on the news and you hear this big deal, that is going to radically alter your life or change your life. It could be a gospel. It's good news that brings lasting change. And Mark is telling us that God is coming. Jesus is coming, the Son of God. And this announcement, of course, it brings lasting change to you and to me. I need to know, does anyone love Barnes & Noble? Anybody? You could spend, y'all, I could spend hours in that joker. Now, don't don't lie to me. Don't lie. Has anyone ever gone to Barnes & Noble and like found a book, found a thing, and then you just buy it on Amazon? Don't you lie. Okay. A few of y'all, hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go to Barnes & Noble, you will not find a gospel section. That's not a thing. That doesn't exist. But you will find a big religion section. You will find a big self-help section or a big improvement section. And I want to kind of break down really simply the difference between religion and the gospel. Let me say it like this. Religion is a checklist. Just like those self-help books, do these five things for a better life, three things to improve, or two things to get happier, this should be your mantra, whatever it is. Do this and you'll be better. Do this and you'll be whole. Maybe even do this and you'll get to God. Religion is a checklist. The gospel is an announcement. Religion says, take action and you'll get to God. The gospel says, God took action to get to you. Religion adds a burden. The gospel removes a burden. Religion says, win it. The gospel says, it's been won. Religion says, do it. The gospel says, it's been done. The gospel is an announcement that brings lasting change. I want to joke about the Patriots fans for a minute. Is anyone a Patriots fan? They've all gone into hiding. I've seen them. I've seen them the last few years. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they went. I think they disappeared. Now, the, the Patriots, what's their record? What is it? It's two and four. Two wins, four losses. Now, I'm not gloating. I used to live in Boston, so I feel kind of weird even doing this. I feel like I'm going against some of my people. But what I want you to see is there's some, there's some bandwagon Patriots fans. And what I've noticed, they say that when, when Brady's playing good or when he was playing good or with, with, with Belichick, if they, if they won, Patriots fans would say, we won. Now, <laughs> you didn't do anything. You didn't throw a ball. You certainly didn't catch a ball. You certainly didn't 
call a play, but the, the idea is that when the team wins, I win. They won, so the victory, in a sense, was imparted to me. I see Keith out there. Keith is a Green Bay fan. Same thing when Aaron Rodgers, right, does his thing when they win. Yeah. He probably says, we won. Green Bay won. We won. Let me give you another example. That's a sports example. Let me give you a military example. I'm sure at the end of World War II, I wasn't there. Some of y'all maybe were. Were you there? No. I'm sure when Germany surrendered, when the Nazis surrendered, I'm sure every American said, we won. Now, most of them probably didn't jump out of a plane. Most Americans didn't pull the trigger. They didn't storm a beach. But they still said, we won. We won. The victory was imparted to them because of the winning of others. Listen, now Jesus didn't defeat a team. A team wasn't defeated. An army wasn't defeated. With Jesus Christ, sin was defeated. Loneliness was defeated. Emptiness was defeated. Death itself was defeated. Now you didn't lift a finger to do it. He did it. But now you're free. You're the victor. And you can celebrate. Somebody praise him for a second. Verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Somebody say ahead. Yeah, who will prepare your way. Say prepare. Yeah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, calling in the wilderness, calling at the campground, calling out at the KOA campground. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now, these words were spoken to John the Baptist, but in a very large way, they apply to all of us. Our job is to prepare the way for him to do some work in this town. I came to tell you the king is coming. Tell your neighbor, the king is coming. Now, we can't relate to like a king coming to town, but this is a big deal. If you saw in the text, um, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. This was, this was actually a thing in Bible times. If a king or a dignitary, someone important was coming to town, you'd want to prepare the way, right? You want to spruce it up. The best way I can relate to it is this. Imagine if Beyonce was coming to your house. You, you'd tidy up, wouldn't you? Right, just a little bit. If Beyonce was coming to your house or coming to your town, you'd want things to look nice, yeah? You, you, you'd take her to the nicest part of town. You wouldn't take her down, you know the road I'm talking about? Indian River intersection in Kempsville. It's a disaster. You know what I'm talking about? No left turns. You know what I'm talking about? All the U-turns. There's a wreck every day. You know what I'm talking about? All right, you wouldn't take her there. You wouldn't do it. You'd take her somewhere nice. This is literally what they would do. If someone important was coming, they would spruce it up. They'd fix the roads. They would want things to look nice. Our church is all about preparing people to have an interaction with the living God. Getting in community, hearing the gospel, growing, using their gifts, reaching the city, reaching the four out of five people in this town who, do not, who are not actively connected to a church. That's why we're so excited about the building. And I don't know if you know this, we get the keys in one month. One month. I'm excited. I'm going to have it, Adrian. I'm going to have it. I'm going to preach with the key. I'm going to put it on my chain. I'm going to have I'm going to, it's going to be weird. I'm going to sleep right next to it. It's going to be weird. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. But this allows us to, in a whole new level, in a whole new way, solidify our commitment to reach families in this city. Now, later on in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus kind of follows this principle that we're preparing the way for God to work. This is one of my favorite passages. I preach on it frequently. Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord, that's Jesus, he appointed 72 others and sent them out 
two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Now, this is Jesus himself. He said, I'm going to this town. I'm going over there. He picked 72 of them, just people, ordinary people like us, and he sent them out, and he says, I'm about to go there. I've got some things to do. I've got some work to do. I want you to get there first. I want you to prepare the way for me. Is that intimidating to anyone else? A little bit. A little, little bit. He says, I got some work to do. He says, get ready. I want to ask you this. Are you preparing people to have an interaction with the living God? Based on how you interact with people, based on how you love people, based on how you talk on social media, based on your choices, are you preparing people to have an interaction with the living God? Let me ask you this. Are you preparing your children when they hit 18 and move out to keep going to church when it's their choice? Now, we always at Ascent, I love this, we always have military guys who are from across the country and they're 18, 19, 20, 21, and mama ain't making them go to church anymore, all right? They're at church because they want to be. And maybe it's to meet the ladies. I don't know. I don't want to know, okay? I'm actually fine with that if that's the reason. But I think that's the goal for every parent. You want to prepare your child to take faith seriously and to come to church and to get connected. Let me ask you this. It's going to be real quiet. Is that okay? Are you preparing people? I want to make sure I say this right. Are you preparing people who say no to your political candidate to say yes to an invite to your church? I know. I was praying and writing this, and I was like, ooh. Are you? Because some of us for six, nine months, 12 months, we've been saying you got to vote for Trump or else. You got to vote for Biden or else. And people are watching that. They're seeing that. And first off, vote based on your convictions. That is awesome. You should, do, you should vote. You should, that's a good thing. But I want to ask you, if for six months you've been saying you got to do this, you got to do that. If you don't, you're an idiot. If you don't, you're a loser. After that, you go up to your friend and you invite him to church. Have you lost your witness? Do they feel like, well, you, you, don't, you look down on me. You don't even like me. You don't even, you think I'm a, I'm a loser. You think I'm a, what? why would I come to your church? Are we preparing the way for God to work? Verse 5, Jesus is going to give us a rundown because this seems intimidating to me. Does it seem intimidating to you? Okay. He's going to give us a breakdown on what to do. Verse 5, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Somebody say, peace. He says, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Do you bring peace or nah? Do you bring unity or division? Right? How do you interact with people? Do you isolate people? Do you put them in a box? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, sons of God. Are you a person, when they see you coming, they're like, oh, man. Or do you bring peace? I think it's fascinating Jesus starts there. That's number one. I want to put this on us. Let's be a people who make peace. I'm not saying don't have convictions. I'm not saying don't speak what's important to you. I'm not saying talk about things, critique things, condemn things. But can you do so in a way that brings peace, that brings unity? I'm not saying bottle up. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't be political. But can you do so in a way that brings peace? That's number one, peace. Somebody say it with me. That's number one. Verse seven, step two for Jesus. He said, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Praise God for that. 
going low carb, not anymore, Adrian. He said, whatever they give me, I like that. I like the sound of that. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It's a weird thing to say. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. I love the emphasis on eating what God has offered to me. Can someone praise God for that? That we're promoting food. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Eating in scripture is never just about eating. And this is a long passage. This is a intense passage. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over it. There's a lot more. I challenge you to study yourself, to look into the commentaries yourself, to, to dig into this yourself. But when Jesus says, make peace, that's number one. And then when he says, eat together, he's talking about building relationships. Eating is never just eating, right? Nowadays, when we eat, usually it's like you're, you're eating in the car, right? You put on Netflix, you're eating, no one's really talking. But eating in those days, it was saying we're, we're like in this together. We have relationships. So number one, we're going to make peace. Number two, what I want you to do is build relationships. He says, don't move around from house to house. Are you too busy bouncing from this thing to that thing that you don't have any real relationships? Do we have, we got soccer and it's baseball season and I got that work thing and then I'm overcommitted here and I got that thing there. Like, are we bouncing from here to there, from this friend group to that thing where we don't have any real relationships? Jesus says, hold on, don't, don't be bouncing around so much. Have this real, authentic relationships. Eat with people. Follow me. Number one, we're going to make peace, right? And maybe this is today when you're out serving the city. Maybe this is election week. Maybe this is just walking around. Well, number one, we're going to make peace. Number two, we're going to have real relationships. Number three, verse nine, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Is this overwhelming? Because some of y'all are like, I can't heal the sick, right? But I want to ask you, can you meet one physical need this week? Can you send one encouraging text? Can you rake one yard? Can you buy a meal for one family who needs it? Can you, maybe your student, maybe their friend, maybe their friend's parents have a thing, you could give them a ride home from student groups. Can you meet one physical need this week? God is teaching me that I need to help physically before I help spiritually. We gotta make peace. We got to build real, authentic relationships and not just bounce from this thing to that thing. And then finally, we have to, have to help physically before I help spiritually. Notice this, heal the sick and then tell them the kingdom of God is here. We do the opposite, don't we? We're like, when someone has a problem, we're like, well, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do this. Then do you need any help? That's opposite. We're supposed to start with physical needs. I have a a bad habit and I'm never going to write a parenting book because no one would read it. But I have a bad habit with my parenting. Anyone else have a bad parenting habit? Y'all are liars, okay? Okay, a few of y'all honest people. Okay, we all have a thing. My thing, see if you can relate to this. My thing is when my child is hurt, I immediately start lecturing them. Anyone else ever do that? Okay, good. It's not just me. It's good. That's good. Someone's hand is way up. All right, this, this is the story of the household. My five-year-old's on the chair rocking the chair. I'm like, don't rock the chair. He stops. Ten seconds. I'm like, quit rocking the chair. You're going to bust your head. Five seconds. I'm like, quit rocking the chair. And then, you know, I say, I say, you know what? Pain is a good teacher. Rock on the chair. 
He's rocking. He's rocking. What inevitably happens? Heads busted. Elbows busted. He's hurt. And you know what I do? He's on the ground crying. And I'm like, I told you you shouldn't have rocked the chair. You should have listened to daddy. Daddy knows best. Daddy's 32 years old. I've been busting my head for 32 years. You don't think I know? I can't believe that. Now, has that ever helped once? No. That don't help. He's not hearing me. What if I follow Jesus' process? Because a lot of us do that. We start lecturing people who are hurt. They don't hear you. What if I started Jesus' process? What if I, what if I promote peace? What if, I, what if I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm with you. I'm by your side. What if I build relationships? What, I get, what if I get down with him and put him on my knee and he can cry on my shoulder and we can talk and joke and laugh? What if I meet physical needs? What if I'm like, do you need ice, a popsicle, an ice pack, a Band-Aid? Anybody ever notice you always pick the wrong Band-Aid? I'm like, I got you, Buzz. I wanted Woody. I got you, Incredibles. I wanted Nemo. It's never been right once. It's never been right once. But I think if I did that with my children, I think we would get somewhere. I think we would. I've learned something. My children aren't receptive when they're hurt. And I wanted to tell you today, your neighbors are not receptive when they're hurt. And your neighbors are hurt. They're hurt from some past decisions. They're hurt from some Christians who yelled at them, judged them, condemned them, slammed them down. They're hurt. And you're lecturing them, yelling at them, condemning them, does the opposite of what you intended to do. But what if we... What if we do what Jesus asked us to do? What if we are people who make peace? What if we're a people who build authentic relationships? Maybe on serve day, maybe on for this city, but maybe just at work and in the preschool line and at church and at home and with our next door neighbors. Maybe we're a people who build relationships. What if we're a people who meet physical needs? Then we tell them about the kingdom of God. Then we say, can I pray for you? Can I be there for you? Let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me bring you to church. Let me share this verse with you. What if we do things in that order? Because I think the reason we feel so intimidated is we're like, well, I don't have that verse memorized. I'm not as eloquent as you. I can't describe it like this. God isn't asking for eloquence. He's asking for obedience. It's not about, well, I don't know the proper word. I don't have that verse memorized. Jesus didn't say nothing about memorizing a verse. So they go out. Just like some of y'all are going to go out on serve day. Just like some of y'all are going to start serving with Echo or 99 for the one or this or that. Or maybe see this in the context of the preschool line or work or in my neighborhood, whatever. They go out and it works. They're almost a little surprised. I don't. That's a whole different sermon. But they're like overjoyed. They're like, yeah, it worked. Ta-da. 17. The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, this ain't a Halloween sermon. We ain't talking about all that. Halloween's past. Y'all are like, it's November 1st. It's Christmas time, baby. Y'all are like, what's on the Hallmark lineup? Who put up your tree? If you dumb, I ask you to leave. Is your tree up? Nope. Okay, it's coming up. Okay. The, the whole point of this is that they did what Jesus said to do, and it worked. It worked. All the way down, it worked. Okay, verse 20. Jesus lovingly critiques them on something. 
And I want to put this on you. He says this. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Do not rejoice that people got saved and people got set free, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice that it worked. Don't rejoice that the spirits are listening to you. No, no, no. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Ascent Church, never forget your story. Ascent Church, never forget your testimony. Ascent Church, never forget what God has done for you. Because what I want you to see is what Jesus told us to do for the world. Jesus did the exact same thing for me and for you. Didn't he start with peace? Didn't he come as the Prince of Peace? Didn't he make peace between us and God? Didn't he atone for our sin and justify us in the sight of God? Didn't he give us peace between racial groups, cultural groups, socioeconomic classes? Didn't he give us peace? Didn't he give us peace with our past? He started with peace. Y'all, didn't he form relationship with us? The Gospel of John says he he tented with us. He made his tent with us. He dwelled with us. The incarnation, God and human together, fully God, fully man. He had relationship with us. Didn't he eat with us too? He ate with us. He fed us. He provided with us. He had that relationship with us. He had peace. We had real relationship. And finally, I don't want you to miss this. Didn't he, I don't know, didn't he meet some needs? Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Has he not met every single need? Friends, Jesus Christ saved you in this way. He proclaimed peace. He made peace through relationship with us. Because he went to the cross for me and for you, since he bore our sins, we have had every single need met, whether now or in the future as you go into eternity. That's what Jesus has done for you. Ascent Church, never forget what he's done for you. As you love other people. As you bring them to church. As you go throughout life at work or at the preschool pickup drop-off line or wherever you bump into people, never forget your story. Never forget that your names are written in heaven. We hope you enjoyed this message and we love to stay connected. So make sure to click subscribe. We love to spread the word and you can help take this message to others. Leaving a quick review, sharing it with someone or connecting with us on social all make a huge difference. And a special thanks to you who give generously to make this ministry possible. And if God is calling you to partner with us, visit us at ascentchurch.net. We love you and know that you are not alone.